the one thing web warriors struggle with? Um, nothing, because they're amazing. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power up suits and welcome into another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today is the one and only smooth sounding with his new mic, Nate from the Gamers Guild. What's happening, bud? Man, not much, but you keep just like you make a big deal out of my mic every single time, and it's like it's been here for a month. What do you want from me? But, but it sounds so good. <laughs> it's like buttery smooth. Actually, I can't even describe it. Look, the suits hear it, they know what's up. Well, I'm glad you enjoy it. Yes, it's wonderful, and one of these days you're going to have to do some ASMR and put us all to sleep. I'm just saying. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> was that your attempt at ASMR? <laughs> no, 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 it was not. HPP ASMR. Like a, I feel like I need to go get like one of those like plastic combs and just kind of flick along the edges of that. Do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what needs to happen. Next, next time. On the next episode of House Party Protocol. <laughs> Nate flicks Nate through a comb with for a comb. 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. So, Nate, thanks for joining me today. We do have a few topics to talk about today. This isn't going to be kind of our big, thick, jam-packed episode like maybe we've been doing over the last few weeks, but I am excited to talk about this because we got the official panel-to-play spoiler for a character that I really love and am slash was excited for hmm, interesting juggernaut yeah I, i'm just all excited I, I like brotherhood they're probably top three affiliation for me and he, he's brotherhood so yes yes to everything yes we've known about him for a while but now we're actually able to see what kane marco actually does so we're talking about the jugs and then we're also Going to be having a bit of a discussion about some re-roll stuff, a little bit different than what we normally do, but just something that I saw in a video and I'm like, you know what, this is interesting, let's see what the people think. So we'll talk about that, and then also, one of our patrons, while we were just chit-chatting, we have a, a kind of roster discussion tab in our Discord, which if you're interested in that, it's uh, join our Patreon, it's a dollar a month, so 12 bucks a year, and you can come in and be a part of our Discord channel, and it's patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol, and we just like to have a really super chill time and chit-chat and stuff, and anyways, uh, we had Beelzebro in there post- his roster that he's taken to an upcoming event and we're going to take a look at that and offer some advice he's kind of a bit of a newer player and guess what he's playing nate some web warriors the web warriors that's right so we'll see what happens here but first up we need to talk about the one and only juggernaut and first things first nate as usual we have got to talk about this model so I'm going to take things a little bit differently here. And the very first thing that I've got to talk about with this is the fact that it's a custom base. 
Yeah, no, we get uh, we get another little bit of variety, which is fantastic. Obviously, we've got that with Thanos and Dormammu now, uh, but Jugs comes with his own as well, which is great. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. I think that's just super cool. And I don't know about you, Nate, but I never got lucky enough with the 65 millimeter bases to get the one with like the bricks or the or whatever it is, you know, like the lines. Yeah, like, the one with like the little like a uh, subway, not subway, uh, tram cart rails. Yeah, never got that one. I've got a, a pretty I've got a couple more of that one than the other one. Hmm. Must be. But nice. I, I have managed to get both. So, yeah, yeah. it is. Maybe one day I'll I'll get to live that life, but not with Juggernaut because he gets his own custom base that I really love because it's like going up underneath his feet and everything. Like he's really running or about to start his run or whatever. Like I just I kind of love it. But yeah, the big question I've got to ask you, Nate, is to stoplight or not to stoplight. That is the question. You know, and it's a tough question because like if you don't stoplight, the hands just kind of awkwardly hanging out back there mm, right interesting, yeah because like otherwise like the the other arm should also be at like that 90 degree angle a little bit closer to the chest uh you, you unless he's doing like a naruto run or something i don't know i mean it is juggernaut he could do a naruto run i mean he is putting his helmet forward yeah like it, it's it's pretty it's like halfway to a naruto run anyway exactly so that's an interesting way to look at it because I never really thought about it in those terms. And I would imagine, though I don't know, like, I wouldn't imagine this actually, but it'd be cool if there was like another arm in there that has that slight bend in it, like he is, you know, running. Just trucking it. Yeah. Exactly. But I think more, this could maybe be like the as he's entering, like the building he's about to destroy, maybe pose. Mm. But. I've really had a hard time with deciding whether or not I want the lamp post because on the one hand, like you said, like the, it kind of looks a little awkward without it, but at the same time, I, it, I think it kind of distracts from the overall model a little bit too. Yeah, I can see that. And, uh, I'm on AMG's side. I'm doing the like little 100, uh, the 360 Me too. <laughs> thing. And, uh, it, it is kind of weird because, I mean, Juggernaut's maybe got a full uh, inch of himself just hanging over the base. Uh, and so it, it kind of is a little bit blurry and not uh, fully in focus like most of their models are because of uh, him just kind of overhanging so much. And it draws a lot more focus to the light post, which is directly over the base and a little bit more in focus. So it's probably not an issue you'll find as much once you have the model in person. Right. Uh, but yeah, having him just a little scooted a little bit further back on that base, but then it's a custom base. I don't know. It's interesting. It is interesting. And I think that there's definitely some people out there that are going to do something cool with this. And if I had the modeling skill to pull this off, I would totally have him like grabbing the leftover Deadpool and like, (laughs) I think something like that could be kind of cool. That'd be great. What I really want to see uh, I don't even know if uh, in Fear itself, Juggernaut was one of the guys to get one of the additional hammers. I don't but know I'd if love to see somebody sculpt a giant hammer in that other hand and uh, paint him up like a Fear itself uh, style. Well, you heard it here, community. Challenge someone out there listening, some suit out there that has the wherewithal. Nah, it's good luck. If, if you do that, I mean, 
I don't know. I'll, I'll give you a high five. I don't know what I'll give you, but I'll give you something if that if that happens because it's so amazing. Like, I'm looking at Sarastro. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you. Yeah, shout out to Sarastro. <laughs> Who just posted an amazing Hulkbuster, by the way, yes. today. Oh. Go check that out. He's awesome. We love Sarastro over here. And I uh, I know he's got some fun things in store as well coming up because I, I chit-chat with him every once in a while. So I'm excited to see that when it's finished. But that Hulkbuster is just incredible. And I I just, I'm in awe. But anyways... We're talking about Juggernaut. Last thing I want to talk about with this model is, do you think that there's a version of his head in the box where he doesn't have the helmet on or that you can like somehow magnetize heads? Looking at it, and granted, this is a prototype sculpt, so this it could have very well changed. It looks like it's definitely a possibility because uh, you, you can see kind of some space in between, so it's definitely a possibility. I... I'm going to use the helmeted version regardless. I am too. Uh, so it, it's not something I would have put the effort in to magnetize and everything else. But for the people who want it, uh, if it's an option, great. It's not something that I'm, I'm hard fought on. And I feel like AMG probably just kept it with the helmet for him. I would think so too. However, I will say if they did give us an extra head with no helmet, I will be magnetizing it just because it's thematic. Because, oh, look, now he's on his underside. He no longer has his helmet. Ha ha. Ta-da. Exactly. So, Nate, speaking of ta-da's, let's find out who Juggernaut is. Because we all need to know who he is. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Don't we know who he is? I don't know. Do you? Yeah. We'll talk about that when we get to his attacks. <laughs> exactly. So, we have Juggernaut with an alter ego of Kane Marco. He has a top stat line of 8 stamina. He moves short. He is size 4, threat value 5, physical defense of 4, an energy defense of 3, and a mystic defense of 5. So, Nate, that's a whole lot of all over the place right there. Yeah, uh, and I felt like it's worth noting and important to mention that it is a short move, but it's on a 65 millimeter base. Absolutely. So he he's a normal move action for him is going to get him as far as uh, Captain America on his medium move, pretty much. Exactly. So that's a really interesting stat line. I really love the thematic, physical, and mystic defense here because mm-hmm. his helmet is, you know, it's a big deal. He can't be mind controlled and stuff when he's got his helmet on. So I really, really, really love to see that aspect of it. But what else is really interesting about this top stat line? Because I, I just think there's a couple of things here. I mean, eight stamina on the front side is solid for a five threat character. Yeah. There, there are very few that have that much on the front side. Absolutely. So that's that's definitely an aspect of it. I also, I think it's worth noting the size four here because there was a time not that long ago when size four could just be pushed all over the place mm-hmm. that is not the case anymore yep shuri uh shuri and her pew pew gauntlets cannot stop the juggernaut exactly so i think that's worth talking about just because it's just interesting and then the five mystic defense i mean we're about to have a whole mystic wave popping in i know everybody's enamored with dr voodoo and midnight suns and just midnight suns in general so like having a five mystic defense is pretty cool yeah, it's going to be quite handy. And just to go ahead and cover it, on his injured side, 
he still has eight stamina. Holy mother of 16 stamina on a five threat character. It's four less than a Hulk. It's insane. And some of the defenses change. He still has a four on his physical defense, a three on his energy defense, but now that mystic defense goes down to a whopping two. Very interesting. Yep, gets him, uh, makes him a little bit more vulnerable, uh, very understandable. The helmet pops off. It, like, if you know anything from Juggernaut in the comics, it, it all makes sense. Absolutely. So, Nate, would you like to cover his attacks? Absolutely. So this first one feels like it could be on a three-threat character. Uh, it is a physical strike with a range of two, strength of five for no cost. It has two effects on it. The first is after the attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt. So we like to see on a five dice builder. And then on a wild, uh, you gain the ability to push before damage is dealt. Uh, this character may push the target character away short. Notably, no size restriction there. Notably, no size restriction. And it's a before damage is dealt, which I really like so that you can get that damage in there, confirm whatever it is damage-wise you're going to do, and and mm-hmm. then still get that reposition. Yep, and even if it's an attack that's going to daze them, the before lets you get the push in, clear them off the point, fill in the blank, whatever you're trying to do. And it's also a may, so if you don't want to, you don't have to. Exactly, and I will say this also. It is worth noting that a push short, if you go straight away, the short tool is going to push them out of range two. So if it's somebody that only has a range two clapback, well, guess what? They're out of range now. So that could be really nice. What's next? Uh, The second attack is, uh, well, he he wants everybody to know who he is. It's also physical, and it's called I'm the Juggernaut. There is a Also range two. Hang on. There's a subtext for what comes after I'm the Juggernaut. Just do yourself a favor. If you're an adult, go to YouTube and just Google I'm the Juggernaut or put in there I'm the Juggernaut and just enjoy that YouTube video. It's a good one. I don't want to say it here because I do know there's people that listen with their kids and I'm trying to be better about that, but I'm I'm, I'm really restraining, restraining myself. I was about to say, I, I really thought you were just going to throw it out there after I was done saying it. I'm, I'm so proud of you. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> <sighs> You're Kane Marco. I mean... <clears throat> Uh, Anyways, so <laughs> this attack uh, has a range of two, strength of seven for a cost of four, which might seem expensive until if you uh, you see that that wild trigger in something called rush, which is not a keyword we've seen before. It says after this attack is resolved, if it is during this character's activation, this character may immediately use the nothing stops the juggernaut superpower without paying the power cost. Interesting. So we're going to go over what that is here in just a second. It is worth noting, physical attack, strength 7, range 2 for 4 power. I mean, it doesn't seem great, but once we get into this superpower, I think it's going to make a lot more sense here. Absolutely. So without further ado, let's talk about what nothing stops the juggernaut is. It is an active superpower. It will cost you, normally, 3 power and... Be prepared for a lot of game text. All right, so strap in here. This character is pushed short. It does not stop its movement if it contacts a size 3 or smaller interactive terrain feature. Instead, 
the contacted terrain feature is destroyed, then this character continues being pushed. If this character contacts one or more other characters, one contacted character suffers one damage. Then this character stops as normal. A character can be damaged by the superpower only once per turn. If this character has the stagger special condition, it loses it. Okay, that's a lot to basically say Juggernaut can move through terrain that is size 3 or less. If he bumps a character, he does one damage to them. And it is also important to note, it does not say enemy characters. If this character contacts one or more other characters, one contacted character suffers damage. That's important, I think. Uh, that's important. Uh, the fact that he can destroy terrain features with this push is important. But what's the most important part of this ability? I'm going to go with that last line that uh, if this character has the stagger special condition, it loses it. You know what? It's close, but I think it's rather the line that's not even there. Oh, which one is that? The one that doesn't say it's only able to be used once per turn. <laughs> that's exactly right. Cool. Okay, so let's talk about the implications of this, because there's a lot to unpack with this superpower, and it makes sense because it's this massive wall of text, and as you said, a lot of superpowers in this game, especially some of the recently rebalanced ones, have that ever so frustrating yet necessary keyword of once per turn. This one does not, and I think it's really interesting how they've went about designing this character here because a short move on a 65mm base like we've talked about before, as you mentioned with Captain America, that is the distance that a medium mover on a 35 millimeter a small base can get so if you picture in your mind what the layout of a lot of crises are juggernaut's going to get a lot of distance out of this a lot of distance out of this and it's only three power and i say only for a very specific reason that will come very very soon as to why this is important but nate i like the superpower a lot and I think that it creates a character here that when you read his attacks and then you look at the superpower, and there's a little bit more we're going to get into on the card in just a second, it really sets up a really interesting character dynamic that we haven't seen in Crisis Protocol just yet, right? Yeah, no, Juggernaut is definitely fully unique uh, in, in several aspects. And out of a five threat, you, you kind of expect that. There's not too, too many similarities at that level. Exactly. So one of the things that I think is interesting is that how it notes that it removes the stagger condition. So Juggernaut's not immune to stagger, but he is immune to stun. Spoiler alert. But So you're not going to have <gasps> to worry about power. I know. So he's immune to stun. But he's also not immune to stagger. But let me ask you this. If I've got a Juggernaut and he's got the stagger condition on him, Nate... Am I allowed to activate the I'm the Juggernaut attack before doing a shake action and then being able to clear that condition if I roll that wild? Or do I still have to activate nothing stops the Juggernaut first in order to clear that condition? You just said a whole lot of words. There but basically, so 
Uh, no, you have to, if you were to perform an action with a character, that first action has to be shaking the stagger condition with like a really small asterisk related to carnage and venom and, or carnage and uh, green goblin and the arch enemy rule. Right. But, uh, no. So you cannot use, I'm the juggernaut first and then hope for that wild and clear it off you've got to use nothing stops the juggernaut first uh but if you do you still get your full two actions as well as uh, essentially a free damage on an enemy character some movement and maybe even some extra power if uh, you're running brotherhood exactly so let's continue on down the line with these superpowers and then we can kind of break down everything that's going on here with this character so next superpower we have is a reactive superpower called nice punch it'll cost you one power if this character would suffer damage it may use this superpower reduce the amount of damage suffered by one so we've seen this before uh, on crossbones on kingpin stuff like that so very nice superpower it costs you one and yeah turns that 16 total stamina into a lot more yeah, could you imagine if a Hulk had that? Uh, yeah, that's essentially what uh, the the Juggernaut got, and it also was really nice because it's like, hey, like bleed, don't care about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, cosmic cubes, don't care about it. Uh, it stops some of those middle uh, line damages that aren't enemy effects uh, as well, which is really nice. Yeah, I think it's a really wonderful superpower for a character like this to have, and. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, and it effectively turns his stamina way up, which I'm really excited for. Next up, we have an innate superpower called Helmet. This character cannot be pushed or advanced by the special effects of enemy mystic attacks or enemy superpowers. Yes! I'm sorry, this is the best superpower ever. I love this superpower. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. It's really good to have. Yeah. it's Look, there's not a ton that's going to be messing around with Juggernaut. But those things like Mysterio, right? Like, Mysterio's going to have a hard time with Juggernaut in general. <laughs> like, Juggernaut's winning that battle. But yep. this turns off Mysterio, and I really like that. You know, just little things like that. Turns off Enchantress moves. Stuff... It's nice. You know what I mean? It's nice. Yeah, all good things. All good things. Next up, we have an innate superpower, Unstoppable Momentum. After this character resolves a move action during its activation, it gains two power. The next attack made by this character, this activation, adds three dice to the attack roll. This character can be affected by the superpower only once per turn. There it is. Only once per turn. Thank God, probably. <laughs> Nate? No, I mean, well, it, it's one of those weird ones because unless there's a way to give him a third action, it doesn't really matter. Right. Yeah. But in, in future-proofing, I guess, in case something does come of it. Right. I mean, some kind of tactics card maybe could make him get a move action or something. I don't know. But whatever. Yeah. What do you think of this? Uh, I think this is this and nothing stops the juggernaut 
kind of defines the character more than any of the other things on his card. Absolutely. And why do you think that is, though? Uh, it changes how he plays the game uh, more so than most other characters. Uh, you move and get power is not something we have ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have seen the uh, spin two power move and get more dice on Black Dwarf. Yeah. But, but this is free. This is just, hey, if you make a move, here's some extra dice to roll. Yeah. Uh, so, and I, we'll, we'll talk about what this enables, basically, uh, once we get through the rest of his superpowers. Right. So his last innate superpower, like I've already said, he's immune to stun. Now, that's his healthy card. Let's talk about his injured side, because some things change. And by things change, I mean he gains one additional superpower. And that is. He does indeed. Yes. And that is an active superpower called Avatar of Sitarak. It'll cost you three power. Choose an interactive terrain feature or an enemy character, both of size three or less, and within range two, and throw it medium. The superpower can be used only once per turn. So he gains the throw that I was really hoping would be on the front side. He gains it on the back side. Yep, pretty much. And you still got to chew through all that eight stamina, and he still has nice punch on there. Yep, all all good things. He does lose his helmet, both Correct. the superpower and in the picture. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that, the fact that that goes away. So, makes sense. Thematic. Like, that's the thing I will say about this character one of the most thematic characters we've had in quite some time. Like, AMG's knocked it out of the park with a lot of these characters. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of theme with everything, but, like, this character, it, like, really leans into it. You know what I mean? You might say he gets into a runner's lunge into Mm -hmm. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) So, anyways, Nate. I'm I'm shaking my head over here. I know you are. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there doing that right now, but you know what? I don't care. I don't care. It's late. We're doing this. It's awesome. So, Nate, let's talk about the Juggernaut as a whole now, because I think now that we see everything he does, we'll talk about like affiliations in just a second, but just what this character's kind of role on the tabletop is going to be, and let me see if you agree with this, a surprisingly mobile bruiser is kind of what he's going to be doing. Absolutely. I think you, uh, I think you nailed it. Like, and Nate, what does that mean to you when I say that? Like if somebody's out there and they don't really know kind of these different archetypes of of how we categorize things, what does that mean to you when I say something like that? Uh, So breaking it down a little bit, uh, mobile, obvious, or a little bit more straightforward at least, is he's going to be moving around a good bit. Uh, He's got access to a superpower that lets him move even through terrain, which is kind of nice. And still have actions left over. So we can see this in a character like Hulk having his place effect Dormammu. And his isn't even once per turn. So Juggernaut can really start to book it if he has enough power. So he's definitely got the mobile side down. Especially because he can even get that off of his spender attack. Exactly. Uh, Bruiser is a character typically who doesn't have a lot of range in what they're able to do. Uh, 
but they are pretty tanky or healthy. They've, they've got some good defensive tech. They have a lot of health, and they also hit hard when they are able to hit. Exactly. So I think that those two things just really describe what Juggernaut's going to do. And, I mean, Nate, for you, is the pattern going to be move, NSTJ, that's nothing stuff to Juggernaut, shorthand, you're welcome, uh, move, NSTJ, and then strike someone or is there going to be like is that the normal flow you think like is there any reason to attack someone without having used that move action it be- it becomes very situational if we uh if we get down to it just because the the different states of the board does juggernaut need to get somewhere and just end up smacking somebody along the way uh, because, of course, even from turn one, because of the unstoppable momentum, Juggernaut moves, gets to power, he's up to three, and so he can immediately, nothing stops the Juggernaut, uh, and get to the middle of the board and lay out an eight-die strike turn one. Whew, yeah. Yeah, he's a late activator. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, and at, on eight dice, you've got pretty good odds of hitting a wild as well, which is nice. Exactly. So that's some really nice objective play there. And I want to also talk about kind of objective play in general. So if you're playing on something that has like, let's say, five uh, extract pieces, right? Like a spider infected or a cube fragment. I mean, there's some really interesting things you can do with juggernaut there and especially if you're able to you know move nothing stops the juggernaut to get to that middle point and then you grab that middle point and then you can maybe get away after doing a strike into somebody or if somebody picked it up well they're not safe if they're just hanging out right there you know if they didn't go amazing spider-man grab it and go or angela grab it and go you know that's they're in danger and you do have to think about, though, with, with Juggernaut here, if you're playing Juggernaut or playing against Juggernaut, yes, he is mobile. He's going to be able to get to where he needs to be for the most part, but he's only got range to attacks, so you can use that to your advantage when you're playing against him, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And to come back around to what you were asking earlier, uh, on, on a typical turn, would you rather do the... Uh, a move action and then a strike for eight dice, or would you rather just do two five dice strikes? Yeah, I'm. I'm it, all it's about. It's kind of like a, a good question to ask. I feel like. Yeah, and I'm sure that somebody out there, Jacob, has probably done the math on this actually, and I think it's one of those interesting things where we know that someone like Domino, for instance, is an example, right? You always want to do the automatic pistols because getting the four dice over and over and over and over and over again I say like I mean, you're not going to get it that many times I guess but you know what I mean anyways doing it to where you're just like constantly rolling those extra dice I think is generally better but in this instance you don't have something to where you're just like you know one action nets you two actions basically that's how mm-hmm. kind of the rapid fire thing works Whereas this one, it's like, okay, five dice, five dice. Yeah, you're probably going to push through a little damage, but I think eight dice, especially if you're trying to, I think, do a little bit of control, which is what the wild would do for you, and then also get that chip damage in there. 
I think is uh, the interesting part about it because for me, I, I think there's no there's no way I don't at least make a move action at some point with Juggernaut, and even if it's just to move a millimeter, I'm doing it. Cool. You ready for some dice stats? I'm ready for some dice stats. Okay. So, uh, if you were, if we're just going to say uh, we're rolling Juggernaut five dice into a physical defense value of three. Mm-hmm. Just bare bones basic, no cover to deal with, no counting blanks, any extra stuff in here. Mm-hmm. So, at the five dice attack you have a about a 27% chance to just do no damage. But okay. that also then means you've got about a 75% chance of doing some damage uh, with roughly about... Mm, math in my head a little bit here. You've got roughly around a 40% chance of doing two or more damage. Okay. So, also, good. Not not bad, certainly. Uh, and tw- that leaves about 20% to chance of dealing one damage. Right. If you're rolling eight dice versus three, uh, obviously those numbers go up. You're you're more likely uh, to do three or four damage than you are with just the five dice. There's less chance of doing zero. But I think if you were to roll five dice versus three twice, uh, the odds of numbers going through you are come out a little bit in favor of the two five die strikes. I could see that. What's interesting though, is as soon as the defender has any kind of defensive tech, you want to roll those eight dice, no matter what. So if you're rolling into something like Domino, who uh, like has her crit stuff mm-hmm. or somebody like martial artist, uh, it, it becomes instantly better uh, to go with the more dice, more better strategy. Yeah, I can see that, actually. And so, like, if you're playing into, like, a Web Warriors where they can start re-rolling everything, all those dice is equal good. But if you're rolling into someone like maybe Valkyrie, who doesn't have any defensive tech but is, you know, a missile herself, I think, yeah, the five dice twice makes a lot of sense. And I think you have to layer this into the NSTJ aspect of it where if you are able to push through two damage each attack then someone with a low health pool of five which is a very common health pool you just run into them for and then boom they're they're gone but nothing stops juggernaut boom dazed or ko'd and if someone has Mm -hmm. a couple more health like let's say they have six health yeah it's harder to get from five to six weirdly in this game in terms of damage but like i definitely think that you know, you're you're interested in doing that kind of thing more, and it's nothing says that you can't just nothing stops a juggernaut into a character twice, right? Or no, it's a, it's a character is a no, once that, per turn. There, there right? is a once per turn. Yes. they can only deal. Yeah. So, so still though, I think that that's an interesting kind of pattern that you're going to see, and I think that's the decision point with Juggernaut here is: Are you going to only get one attack? Because this is a game, and especially kind of lately, where if you're not rolling multiple attacks and if you're not setting up to double tap, it feels bad sometimes. Mm-hmm. Kind of in our current, uh, I hate to say the word meta, but that's just kind of where we are right now with Crisis Protocol is like, you know, set up the big attack turn. 
And I think the Juggernaut kind of breaks that mold in a really, really nice way because eight dice physical, yes, physical is the most common defense and the highest defense overall in the game and the most tools to deal with it. But I think it's really interesting that he can say, well, okay, you've got a high physical defense. Well, I've got a high physical attack for free and I'm going to try to just punch through you. And I really like that. Yeah. And he can push people, which is just objective play for days. I love that too. Yep. He's got some control elements uh, and something that we, we didn't really go too into uh, because like just dice maths was just dice math. But if you're also looking for power, do the move and attack because that's two guaranteed power. Exactly. So like, and, and that kind of balances out to like, yes, sure. If you're rolling five into three, you want to do that twice. But like, if you need like two guaranteed power for some objective stuff or anything else, like just do the move and attack then, because you're going to knit that guaranteed two power that you might need for maybe you only get one power off of a, a strike and so suddenly that extra two power gives you the nothing that stops the juggernaut and or maybe the throw if he's on the injured side the, the the list goes on the list goes on and on and i do think it's worth noting here in the you know power economy of this character i mean he's going to have power but if you're playing into him is he a character that you ignore or do you just go and make him spend all his power on stuff like nice punch Oh, that's tough. Because it's kind of just a character that you want to run away from, but that not even that fully works. Right, that's what I'm thinking. So, like, I this is interesting for me because this is where I have kind of a, a an issue with Juggernaut. I guess is like if you just run away from him, he can probably catch up for the most part, barring a few very specific pieces. So he can catch up overall and mm -hmm. i so like running away i don't think is great but he do, has so much good objective play that i also don't feel like that you're going to be able to stop him <laughs> goodness the puns you're not gonna be able to stop him from kind of playing the objective game and it's like okay fine run away from my five threat character well you know if there's an extract out there that i need to put on somebody i want to put it on him yeah no Having uh, him in Criminal Syndicate, I'm curious if he'll be affiliated. That'd be really cool if so. Oof. Uh, is is going to be nasty being able to hand him some objectives. Right. Yeah, and that, I really think, opens up an interesting version of the Criminal Syndicate list and using Kingpin's, the second part of that leadership, or is it the first part? I don't know. But being able to pass off objectives to a juggernaut, and that's why I think... Interestingly, I think the strategy, when you see a juggernaut across the table, and there's so many factors that go into this, but if he's kind of the big guy on the other side of the table, and I mean, he will be the big guy, let's be real, but if he is, I think you've kind of got to go into him and, and force him to spend that power and force him to NSTJ to get where he wants to go. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't go after him with people that hit at range two i would try to hit him from range in some capacity or another but try to load him up with those conditions and then make him do nice punch to drain his power as much as possible 
I think a character like Rogue is immensely good into him, like really good into him. Yeah, Rogue, Rogue is a has some good counterplay for him. You know, so. But uh, on on the whole, uh, really well designed character. There, there's not an easy answer for him. Exactly. Because if you're if you're wanting to do the uh, move attack anyway, you basically have also an additional charge for three power essentially with nothing stops the juggernaut that will give an immediate damage to somebody he comes in contact with and then you can follow up that up with an eight die punch uh so like i'm kind of of the opposite mind i don't want to give him extra power for more nothing stops the juggernaut or giving him the ability to do i'm the juggernaut i kind of like the idea of like hey let's just hope that like sure you do the guaranteed one damage and hopefully your eight die strike uh, kind of whiffs out and you don't just murder people. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And I, I think that this is one of those things where it's just going to have to be played out in the wash. But I, I'll tell you, I'm excited to get Juggernaut on the table because I think that he's he's going to break the mold of what five threat characters do. Because right now, all of our big threat characters are massive DPS monsters. Right, I mean, at least it feels that way. Like Modok's been this big DPS piece, right? Scarlet Witch, glass cannon for days, right? You know, mm. uh, she's not Gamora, glass cannon. Uh, fair, but she's she got skulls. She's rolling what three, four, four. She's still pretty glass. She's pretty brittle. She's above six. Ah, she's fine. And she hits like a truck, though. She does hit like a truck. Uh, I'll, I'll disagree with you, though. I mean, we, we've got five threats like Cable, like Doctor Strange, who are, are more supporty than they are offensive pieces. Right, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Juggernaut's going to break the mold for five threat and being this, like, I think he's got some sneaky, sneaky good objective play. Okay. And, and like, we haven't really seen that in a five threat character because usually we want these five threat characters to kind of be this, like, one-trick pony, but that one-trick matters so much and you know cable kind of falls flat for me a little bit but other than that they all kind of have are really good at this thing right and i think the juggernaut is not really good at putting out the damage like he's going to don't get me wrong i'm not trying to downplay that but i think that he's actually going to play objective damn near better than any of the other five threat characters out there yeah i mean he's other other than modok the only size four five threat Yes, yes. So that that alone makes him a lot more difficult to throw and or push around, yep. which is great. He's got freaking 16 stamina with damage reduction. Check that box with, uh, with some pretty good dice on defense until he gets over to the injured side. Then Mystic becomes a liability, but right. that, that's still 8 stamina. That's still damage reduction. Yeah. So, Nate, let me ask you, now about affiliations because i think this is an important thing to talk about here so affiliations we know he's affiliated brotherhood and i think he loves playing in brotherhood brotherhood loves him magneto's brotherhood specifically do you think that he would quote unquote replace scarlet witch for you in that man that's tough because i don't even know if uh Depends on who I'm going up against, I guess. If I'm playing against Web Warriors, I'd rather have Scarlet Witch sure, kind Mystic. of a thing. So a little bit matchup dependent. 
but just on the, on the average day, I'd probably rather have Juggernaut because being able to uh, have additional movement options, which is what he offers, is more important uh, than just pure damage output. Yeah, and then he has that Asteroid M that he can do. I mean, just make a move action, boom, Asteroid M's online. Yeah. I, I kind of like that. <laughs> so Absolutely. Yeah, I, I I think he's, for me, I'd probably play him more often than not over Scarlet Witch, but that's, you know, it's all dependent. But let's, uh, what else affiliation-wise do you think should be good for him? Let's just give like a couple. Uh, we already talked about it a little bit, but Criminal Syndicate, don't Definitely. know if he's affiliated. Kind of hope he is. Me playing against him, kind of hope he's not. Uh, but he should be a phenomenal asset for Kingpin. Absolutely. Any other ones? Not off the top of my head. Yeah. So, fun fact, I do think he has play in Web Warriors. <gasps> Shocker. Shocking nobody. And look, I, at this point, everybody plays Web Warriors. Let's just be real. But no, I think he's an interesting character for them because he provides that mobility that they like and he has that tanky nature which a lot of the other characters that I like to like splash in there they aren't really tanky in and of themselves but they have kind of some different tech and whatnot and now you give him a re-roll on defense and it's just one sure but you load him up with an objective and he can re-roll a skull potentially for something you know like I'm about it and I think that he'd be really fun there and and it'd be a fun little splash I think so I think that'd be fun and then other than that, though, I mean, like, Avengers being able to make some NSTJ for a little cheaper seems fun. I think Cabal seems fun to just kind of extra power generation and whatnot. And there's so many affiliations at this point. I think you could splash him nearly anywhere and not be disappointed. And I think the interesting thing, though, is you want to look at is trying to find a place that's fairly cheap for him to go because he is that five threat. Yeah, I think it's a, he, he's a very self-contained character where he has his own engine that is going to work really well. Uh, there are some characters out there. Uh, Venom always comes to mind for me personally because he's one of my favorite, but he needs a little bit of help to reach that full potential. Mm-hmm. And when he reaches that full potential, his value skyrockets uh, beyond probably what it should. Uh and I don't think Juggernaut's a character that's going to get like a gigantic boost from any one leadership in the game because he's already got his own thing going on really well. Uh, and nothing just really just, I think, turns him on. I think Criminal Syndicate will really enjoy having him in affiliation, but Juggernaut doesn't really get anything out of Criminal Syndicate kind of a thing. Exactly. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. So... I'm excited for Juggernaut. I think he's a really interesting character, and I would encourage uh, all the suits out there listening to give him a look and kind of see what you can come up with on it. Because I, I think, for real, it's just this. This is my spicy take on it: is the damage is going to be nice, but you're really going to see him shine when he's playing that objective and and playing it interestingly. You know what I mean? Like him and another character go to one of like a home close point, right? And then that deters your opponent from going to that point and then juggernaut can like move to wherever he needs to be while your other person's just like hanging out back there playing support or something like i just i think there's some really cool cool stuff that's going to happen here so yeah absolutely anyways 
Now, Nate, let's talk real quick about this discussion of re-rolls that we had here. Yeah. So I asked the question in our Discord. Again, check it out if you're interested in the Patreon stuff. And and look, I don't hide anything behind paywalls. It's just because you want to support the show. If that's something you're interested in doing, it's so greatly appreciated. Shout out to all the patrons out there. I really appreciate every single one of you. But I asked the question, you know, if you're playing a game and you're supposed to roll, say, four dice, but you accidentally roll five, or if you're on defense, you know, you roll you're, you're roll four dice and you're supposed to roll three because you're incinerated. Whatever the reason is, you roll more dice than you're supposed to roll. You roll that and, oh, crap, I rolled too many. How, how do you handle that, Nate? Do you scoop it all up, take that one die out, and roll it again? Or do you, like, take away a success or take away a failure or... One of the suggestions that I could see would be like you roll a die, roll roll another die, and on a crit while to hit, you let your opponent choose what to take away. On the other ones, you choose to take what to take away. Something like that. But how how do you handle that situation? So I, I'm different because a lot of people have sounded off their answers, and I think it should be uh, who whoever the other player it is. It should be their choice of whether they either keep the whole thing or re-roll the whole thing. Yeah. So if they if they manage to uh, roll really poorly with extra dice and you roll your thing and they're like, oh, no, I rolled too many. It's like, cool. I'm just going to let you keep it. I'm not going to give you a chance at another re-roll kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's how I would handle it personally. That's interesting because there was a big discussion about this in our Discord. I'm not going to go into all of it because it was a big back and forth. It's a really interesting discussion. But I'm kind of with you on that because I've seen that before where, oh, I rolled five dice. Oh, crap. I was only supposed to roll four, but I had a really crappy roll. And then I grab those four dice back up or the opponent grabs the four dice. Whoever does it rolls those four dice and all of a sudden we're looking at two crits in a wild. And it's like, well, that escalated quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's one thing on like TTS, it's really easy to kind of like do it really fast without kind of like picking up what's going on. But like in real life, I mean, you know, I I think that the, the etiquette is to talk to your opponent about this because it's it's really a situation that each game's different and each situation is different. But if you pick up those dice and you're like oh crap i rolled too many you're basically getting an eye of agamotto re-roll right there yeah you know positive or negative that is in my opinion a form of re-roll you know Mm -hmm. and that really messes with the math of whatever it is that you should be doing in that instance so i'm not like trying uh, again everybody out there listening play the game however you and your opponent agree to play it but I do think that there is definitely an etiquette thing there for me and in my games of like, I mess something up. What should I do here, opponent, person that I'm playing, to make sure that this doesn't turn into a negative experience for you? That's just kind of how I feel about it. Yep, yeah, absolutely. No, it, it, it's something weird. Uh, it's going to be situational. Uh, it, it's one of those things that like you usually don't want to have that discussion before the game because like you just hope that you play correctly. Uh, but if, if something gets caught, uh, whoever has misplayed, I think should defer to the, the other person. If they're being generous, 
uh, and say whatever, go by their lead because you're the one who screwed up. Mm-hmm. And then additionally onto that, if you roll too few dice, Nate, do you just add till it's right or do you re-roll the whole thing? Uh, I think that's one where you just you add until it's correct because it's a lot easier to fix. Exactly. I completely agree with that as well. So, you know, and, and it also prevents that uh, that situation where like, oh, man, I kind of rolled poorly. Oh, but I didn't roll this one die. So let me re-roll it. No, 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 no. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah, I, I'm with you there. So I uh, yeah. All this to say, Suits, I really want to hear from you out there. So if you're a part of our Discord, you know, make sure to, to chime in over there. And also, if you just want to send us a message on Facebook, you can find us over there at House Party Protocol. Uh, just search that on Facebook and send us a message, comment on the post for this show whenever that comes up, because I'd really like to know what everybody's thought is. And it's one of those things where, you know, I love hearing the different ways that people go about trying these things. So, yeah. Just, that's just something that uh, I found to be very interesting and, and a discussion that I had seen but not really gotten to have myself. And I saw this video of someone and they did that and, you know, it, it wasn't a, a big deal in, in the moment or anything, but it was just one of those, like, they rolled it, they immediately realized that they rolled too many, they picked the whole thing up and then rolled the appropriate amount. And it was just like, man, I would think there'd be a little pause right there to, to determine what to do, but, you know, it is what it is. What do thing? Yeah, no. D- different people will handle it different ways. Uh, if you're a TO and happen to be listening to this, uh, I suggest writing something out in your your player packet. Maybe only 25% of your players will actually read the player packet, but this way, if something comes up, you have a set guideline. There there can be no additional like, oh, judge, what should we do? You just go by like, hey, this is what we had already written out, just included in there, so it's something you have to reference to. Oh, that is a wonderful idea. Yes, that is awesome. I like that idea a lot, Nate. Just have it ready to go. Sweet. So last thing we're going to talk about here real quick. Is going to be this user question? Is going to be this user question. Or Patreon question? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Brent came in uh, with the only question, because everybody else was too busy talking about dice, uh, says, with the new rule drop, do you think people will focus on three specific secures slash extracts, or do you think the threat value might be something more important to consider? Uh, And I'm guessing by three specific secures or extracts or threat value, I'm I'm guessing maybe the layout, so like the D secures or the E secures. Right. Is maybe what he's referencing here. I would think so. Uh, people might start making game plans with certain threats in mind, and the fact that losing priority picks threat, this might be something to consider. Yeah. So, Nate, I'm going to let you start with this because I know exactly how I feel about this. Personally, I it, it makes me want to plan around threat values a lot less uh, because it, it you, you no longer. It's weird because if you lose, you you at least get to pack pick half the scenario and like I, I like that I like those changes. It's it's all good. I wish it wasn't all random. You've probably heard me talk about this either on here or somewhere else before. Uh, but I think uh, the shape is the more important thing that people are going to be focusing on. So, I think it depends. I think as a Web Warriors player, like kind of mainly, that's my bread and butter, if you will. Yeah, I want D-Secures, period. 
I don't care what the threat value is. I'll make it work. I want D secures. Because I know I can get around those secures faster than nearly anybody else. That's kind Listen, of the point. You don't want inheritor portals, though. I mean, I don't hate them, though. Oh, you do. But, I mean, do I? <laughs> but do I? Yeah, you're web warriors. You don't want to be spending power to interact with objectives. This is true, but I still like the idea of, okay, my opponent has commit overcommitted to one side. So, yeah, sure, I might have to spend a power to interact with a thing, but I can run over here to the other side of the board, spend that power, and now you just got to spend a whole turn catching up. You're not wrong. Like, I'm just saying, like, I, I still want... I'm going to... Right now, my current roster with the new rules and everything, it's all 3D secures because I know if I lose priority and the person picks extracts, great. I'm going to have the setup I want. If I... Win priority, I pick D, I don't care what the threat value is. You know, I, mm-hmm. I get a D secure because now I know I'm able to run around between everything and just have fun, you know? Yep. But when it comes to certain teams and certain setups, I think it gets a little more interesting, right? So, like, I think someone that's trying to main Dark Dimension Dormammu, like, if that's what your plan is, Dark Dimension, well, you probably want to have all high threat value secures, or um uh, or extracts and like, I think that you can build a roster where it's like okay well I want my demon portals I want my intrusions that's the new one with the portals across the sea map and I want um, you know what's another high threat like Terrigen mists or something right like that's nineteen nineteen twenty on secures and then you can say I want hammers legacy virus and some other high extract I can't Cree core Cree core yeah so there you go and that's 18 19 and 20 on extracts so now whether you win or lose priority one there's enough variations in the crises and the different setups that we have there's enough variety there that you can pick whichever kind of setup in that regard but you can also say well i want to have high threat so whether i win or lose priority i'm going to be in a decent position here Mm -hmm. you see what i'm saying I see what you're saying. Don't know if I fully agree with it because I think Dormammu still loves Gamma. True. I'm not. I'm not saying that it's like, like don't yeah, include it, something not like an, that. An all or nothing. Uh, but I and I think uh, it to go even further. I think the layout of extracts doesn't matter as much mm-hmm. because they they move except for uh, researcher because it's a little bit more static. But I think uh, the you know what? It very well may end up being a 50-50 split, Brent. It might be your secures. You care about where those objectives are lined up because your attrition-focused squads like Brotherhood, like Black Order, uh, Dark Dimension are going to want to just have everybody clumped up, which is something your web warriors don't want. Uh, and then on the opposite side of that, your control teams, your teams that are going wide – want to have those D and B secures where on extracts uh, maybe you care about how many there are, but I don't think the positioning of them matters quite as much. And so maybe that's where you play some point total games. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I think that this is, we're, we're in that kind of like wild, wild west region of MCP again, where it's kind of trying to figure out where it's all going to settle. And we've also, 
now have so many turn one plays that people more or less relied upon that are just gone now because of the new rule changes, because of the the new card changes, because of new character changes. So I think that there's a lot more that we're going to have to explore and discover within these new setups to where, like, what we're talking about right now might change six months from now. Mm-hmm. You know, so I... Uh, I think that there's a lot to explore here, and I think that uh, for me personally, with what I play specifically, I can't really speak to to other things. But I know, you know, I know my, my brotherhood player friend. He doesn't want to play web warriors with a bunch of spread out secures. I know that, so mm-hmm. I would imagine that he's going to try to keep things as clumped up as possible. And whether that means bringing something like Gamma or whatnot, I mean, he might do that. But I also don't think he wants to play Web Warriors on Gamma because I'm going to out-activate him. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, I think it's it's, a, all, it's this kind of interesting, weird place that we are right now, but a cool place. I don't say weird's not a bad thing here. It's a cool place where we are in the game right now and trying to figure that stuff out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. So I'm really t- excited about this next bit. Yes. So the next thing we're going to talk about is we have Beelzebro's roster. So he's coming up on a tournament this weekend. So you're hearing this on Thursday. He's got a tournament this weekend. And he was uh, just wanting some advice on how to kind of go about some Web Warrior stuff. And he is pretty new to the game. So I will go ahead and caution you, Beelzebro. Everything that we talk about here is very much an it depends situation okay like i you know nate and i are very familiar with these characters and everything and i'm super familiar with web warriors but i'm by no means like the you know my word is law or anything and neither is nate so just remember this is all an it depends situation so with that being said right, hold on hold on now what, what? there's going to be one thing that i say and it is law oh we'll get to it but okay. I, but i but i think there is one thing uh that uh that i, I feel like I mean, it's not at, like you don't have to go and do this, obviously, but I, I do think that we'll get to it. We'll get to it. All right. So his characters he's bringing Amazing Spider-Man, Angela, Black Cat, Black Widow, Captain Marvel, Ghost Spider, Iron Man, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, Valkyrie and Venom. And before I get much further in this, I want to go ahead and say he doesn't have everything. So what he has is the core set plus all of the Web Warriors except for Moon Knight and the Asgard, Deadpool, and Bob box. So that's what he what he has, right? So we got to keep that in mind when we're talking about this. Tactics cards-wise, Advanced R&D, All Webbed Up, Aunt May's Wheat Cakes, Brace for Impact, Disarm, Lethal Protector, Mission Objective, Patch Up, Sacrifice, and Spider Tracker. His extracts are Fear Grips the World as the Worthy Terrorizes Citizens, so as a D-shaped Secure Hammers, Spider Infected Invade Manhattan, Struggle for the Cube continues, both F-shape 5 extracts. His secures are Infinity Formula Goes Missing, Portals Overrun the City with Spider People, so the D Inheritor Portals like we talked about, and then Riots Spark Over Extremist 3.0. 
all of that. So he says his core is Miles, Gwen, and Venom. Love that. Love that. And some of the other stuff I'm going to kind of leave for later, but Nate, uh, how do you feel about this so far? Uh, I think it's a really good starting point for sure. Uh, he he kind of goes into detail later. He has a game plan. He's thinking about some of these things that he he wants. He's got characters. He's like, hey, I'm going to bring in Black Cat when there's only one objective. Yes, that is 100% the thing that you were supposed to do. You, you've got you're, – you're going the right way here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, all of that is good. What about you? Yeah, so I do like his plan here. I like the, you know, yeah, Black Cat if there's only one. I think Mission Objective is an interesting one that he's talking about here because, like, if there is that single objective, being able to steal it with Black Cat and pass it off to someone who's maybe a little bit safer or a little bit more secure, uh, stronger, tankier, whatever you want to say there, I think is very interesting. He's, he's specifically looking at Mission Objective. And... I, I think there's some interesting play here, and the core 10 threat that you start with, Miles, Gwen, and Venom, I mean, that's my core that I start with. Pretty much any squad, period, that's where I start. And he brings up, interestingly, Amazing Spider-Man. He says, at 17 or higher, I bring Amazing Spider-Man. And this is where I'm going to differ, just a little bit, because... I'm probably bringing a mating Spider-Man at darn near anything. It's, you can do it at 14. I probably wouldn't do it at 14. But definitely, I'm, I'm really heavily considering it at 15. But he's got core Black Widow as his two-threat character. And I think that the idea, maybe, is that on anything less than 17, it's some combination of like... You know, his core 10, so Venom, Miles, and Gwen. And then you start sprinkling in, like, the Iron Man, the Captain Marvels, or Black Cat, or or whatever in there. But do you see, like, a reason to have both Angela and Amazing Spider-Man here? Uh, I do not. That is, uh, it's it's a great question, and uh, it... There, there's really only ever going to be a need, I think, for one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, I guess it, unless you change your your core and maybe are okay subtracting Venom and adding in ASM, uh, which puts you to 11, and then you can go Angela to get to 16. And I, I, yeah, I think... Uh, it's weird. They they fill such a similar role. I don't know if you need both. Yeah, and that's kind of where I am with this overall. Like, I think one or the other, and I think I personally like Amazing Spider-Man better if I'm like leaning heavily into Web Warriors, which is the only affiliation that he's going to be bringing here. Because when you do that, you know, you bring Angela, and that's that's a big threat value wrapped up in kind of one play that play being the grab and go you know get that middle objective and go and if you don't have priority you're probably not going to get that middle objective anyways Mm -hmm. so 
I would rather have Amazing Spider-Man in that case and maybe fill this spot with someone else. And Nate, I have an idea of who I would fill it with based on what he said here, but what about you? You know what? I've I've got a couple ideas, but there's also a couple other characters that I would like to to call out as maybe questionable uh whether or not they uh, they belong in this roster. Okay, you go there first. Uh, I'm going to to call out and point out Iron Man personally. Oh, interesting. Uh, he he does mention that he's looking for uh, some ranged energy attacks, which I understand you want to be able to have some damage diversity. Uh, like if you look at X Men, like man, they're they're just loaded on the physical defense values. But like you start looking at energy, and all of a sudden they're like, oh. You're either average or below. Like, okay, mm-hmm. you, you can make that work. Uh, but Iron Man, he, he did get a power reduction on Friday AI, which is good. Uh, but I don't think he really fits in quite as nicely uh, to what the the spiders typically try to do. I know you will make a case for anybody being in Web Warriors. <laughs> this is true. Uh, <laughs> But knowing what he has access to, I, I do think that there is a, a better character that could fill that slot. Yeah, I think that's fair. I got to say, I think that Iron Man is okay here. I think mm-hmm. that when he specifically talks about Iron Man, he also mentions Captain Marvel as being able to have the energy options. And to that, I would say, Nate what would you have to see across the table for you to say, all right, I'm going to bring at 17 Captain Marvel and Iron Man with my core 10, or I'm going to bring my core 10 and then Iron Man and Black Cat at 16. Like what would you have to see across the table for you for that to be like where your head goes? Uh, For for Iron Man, it's not where my head goes at all. Because really, until he flips, and then it's kind of a one-trick pony attack with his Unibeam, he doesn't have energy output consistently, energy damage output consistently. My thoughts, exactly. Uh, So, like, yes, if you get Iron Man lined up across from a character like Groot or uh, Crossbones or fill-in-the-blank to energy defense, like, that's always what you're kind of looking for and hoping for, Uh, but... Captain Marvel is if you're looking for an energy damage dealer, uh, Captain Marvel outclasses Iron Man on such a far scale uh, for the energy damage output specifically uh, that it's almost like a two threat difference if that's what you're looking for. Exactly. And that's kind of where I was going to go with it is like I feel like it's redundant to have both of them. And Mm -hmm. if you're playing something like a sword base, having Captain Marvel and going with her at your 14 threat value, that's not bad. I don't hate that no. at all. And I think that that could be really interesting. And when you're, yeah, you're going maybe a little na- more narrow than your opponent in that instant, but being able to potentially get an extract token on her, giving her the ability to reroll skulls on her energy blast is is the spice that's the spice of life and it will be so delicious yeah that's a weird metaphor but i'm sticking to it so you 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 stay with it bud i am so so 
I'm with you on Iron Man. Like, I like what they've done with Iron Man and Friday AI being cheaper and all that stuff is wonderful. But I think it's just a little bit redundant for Captain Marvel here. And unless your idea, uh, Beelzebro, is to just go as wide as possible, well, then maybe you would take Captain Marvel out and put somebody else in in that instance. But I don't think that'd be the way you want to do it. No. Uh, are there any other characters that uh, you look at and you maybe like put a little question mark beside or an asterisk or anything like that, Will? Yeah, and this is just because I've played so much Web Warriors and... This character is so good, and even the new version of this character is so good, but I don't think she fits here, and that's a Valkyrie. Like, mm-hmm. I, I love Valkyrie, dude. Like, Valkyrie's so good, and she's got that really good damage dealer, and giving her a reroll on defense really helps her survivability quite a bit. But with Web Warriors, you're wanting to just get around the board so fast, and... I think a character like Valkyrie is like, you know, hold down one side kind of character and that's fine. That has value, but you'd rather kind of be able to, I think, just get places better. And like you can play, just ask Aaron from the Web Warrior Protocols, you can play a very killy Web Warrior team, but with what you have here, that's not really what's going to be happening. And, and with what I'm seeing on this list, it is very much a stick and move, move the the areas of engagement around as much as possible. And you also mentioned here, Beelzebro, that your plan is to play All Webbed Up and Spider Tracker every single game. And yeah, I mean, All Webbed Up, definitely, you want to play that every single game. And with playing All Webbed Up, you want to have as many affiliated web warrior characters as you possibly can to get the maximum benefit from it. So when you start introducing characters outside of the affiliation into that, well then it minimizes the impact that all webbed up can have. So when I see a Valkyrie there, she's such a good character and she still is good, but it's like, what is the what, what are you trying to do by have Valkyrie there? I mean, and look, she's a great character. If you love Valkyrie, Beelzebro, put Valkyrie in every single time, dude. Like, she's good and you will have fun. And that, I think, is what's important. But if we're talking about it from a competitive standpoint, I used to run Valkyrie in my Web Warriors, and I think that you want more mobility and more... Mm, just more control elements than what maybe she's going to bring right away. And I know that sounds weird for me to say that, and she has that great throw and everything, but, you know. I just, uh, I don't know. Valkyrie's the only one that I would I would say, like, let's let's rethink this, maybe. But I'm not, okay. I think she's fine here. I will say, I think she's fine after all of that. But it's just, it's, it's not my play style, you know what I mean? I, I feel you. I understand you. I hear you. And I, I, I get where you're coming from. Uh, this this is not a attrition-focused uh, Web Warriors list, it, it uh, especially like if uh, we are potentially cutting Angela for another character. But at the same time, this could very easily become if you if you are wanting kind of a little bit more of an attritiony game plan. I definitely think uh, you can suit yourself up with it for with characters like Venom, Captain Marvel, uh, do Miles with 
ASM there or something. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know, you, but you have options for it, but you've, you've also kind of, you've left yourself in the, in the middle of the road. Right. I think Valkyrie is a fine character for really almost just one reason. Uh, and we'll ask you this. What is the one thing web warriors struggle with? Um, nothing. Cause they're amazing. Do, do, do they have a lot of power to <laughs> no, do everything power, they want? Pa- no, it's power generation, 100%. Yeah, but it feels really bad. Let's say you go five wide web warriors because typically that's as wide as web warriors are going to go mm-hmm. on average. You, you don't go super crazy like uh, Sam or Sin. Uh, and if you only – so that starts you with five power. If you have five extraction objectives and – these four different portals that you have to interact with or something like sword base or something like fill in the blank. You just, you're not going to have any power left at the end of turn one. And that feels bad. It does. I can tell you right now. (laughs) Uh, And so having Valkyrie as somebody who can either like interact with an objective, picking it up, hitting a button, and then the next turn have three power to have her throw online, to have a charge or just even having her do double duty turn one and interact with two objectives is something that's going to be really handy. Uh, and having that at the cost of three threat uh, instead of Angela's five is also something quite nice to have. Yeah, I will say I'm, I'm with you there. So I like this. I like where you're going with that. So okay. Nate, I want to hear the rest of your take here. Yeah, uh, so the only other character that I have a little bit of a question mark by is Black Widow, and that's mostly just kind of sitting on this question of what else uh, the bro here has, because he mentioned he has all the other web warriors. I'm curious if he has the Daredevil pack, because if so, I feel like Bullseye could be a really cool pick at two threat over Black Widow. Definitely. Uh, But if you don't have that pack, it's hardly a necessary swap out black and widow giving another character that has stealth to the web warriors is just going to make your opponent pull their hair out faster. This is true. This is uh, true. But we've identified two other characters, Angela and Iron Man, uh, knowing what he has access to, who would you want to swap out? All right. So I'm taking Angela out and I'm putting Zemo in. There it is. I mean, that, that, that is the one that, and it doesn't have to be Angela, but Zemo needs to be in this roster. And that is the law. <laughs> That's that, your that law. is the one thing that like, <laughs> I like you can do whatever else you want. You can ignore everything else we say, but please, oh, please put in Zemo into this roster. Yeah. I, I think given what we have here and, and what I said about Valkyrie still applies with like the all webbed up stuff, but Zemo if you're going on that attrition route really brings in some interesting options here. And then if you're able to get your opponent clumped up, all webbed up them, be in that Zemo bubble when you're able to start smacking face and maybe you're near an objective and now you're rerolling skulls. I mean, yeah, it's nasty. Yeah. Zemo basically has his own spider sense at that point, gets to roll two defensive dice uh, he has the ability to spend two power to reroll all of his own dice. So if he has like a hammer with that, that's six dice, full reroll, including the skulls, uh, and then one more reroll to boot just because Zemo's cool like that. Uh, Zemo is the the number one like 
get this man into into your roster. He is really, really good. Absolutely. So I, I'm with you there. But other than that, other than Zemo, Nate, who who would do you swap in here? Well, if I see Angela, I'm expecting that you have the counterpart to her, and I would 100% throw Enchantress into this list. Yep. Even the new version is still spicy as hell, and if you want to play Takeaway Jank with Black Cat, you can do the same, albeit a little different, with Yeah, it costs an action now, so it, and you've already, if you're playing Takeaway Jank, you've got Miles, you've got Black Cat for that. Uh, Enchantress is, to me, somebody who's going to be great if you are forced onto an E-Secure, because at this point, it's random. Who knows? Uh, what you're going to play. Your opponent doesn't even have as much choice as they want over that. Exactly. Uh, so having a beam is great. Having a bow on turn one, since Web Warriors kind of like the controly stuff anyway, mm-hmm. I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm with you. Yeah, uh, so Enchantress was weakened. Absolutely. We We all acknowledge that she needed to be. She's still really good. Yep. So... I, I'm with you, Nate. I think that it's it's Enchantress and Zemo here, 100%. And, you know, obviously, Beelzebro, you, I say this, and to anyone out there listening, you know, play whatever you want to play, my man. And whatever seems fun to you is definitely how I would, I would go about this. And, you know, if you're playing however, whatever's fun, then, then you're having a good time and you're doing it right. And, mm-hmm. you know, Beelzebro... I will say, you know, thanks for letting us do this because I think this is really fun and exciting and something that we might need to try to do a little more often because I think this is really cool. But, um, you know, also our word is not law except for apparently Nate's put Zemo in here. <laughs> do it. You will not. No, uh, in all seriousness, this is uh, th- this is something like that's kind of like brave and, and worthy of uh, applauding to to throw something out here and uh, letting us pick it apart for lots of people to 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 hear and uh get input on and stuff it's uh it's it's something that uh is is a little bit risky agreeing to to something like this and we i hope that we haven't beat you up in any way shape or form or anything uh but yeah no this is this is wonderful i think it's just great and you know talking about your plan and everything i i think that in terms of your core being miles and gwen if you're trying to dodge the E shapes. That's a great, great thing to do. You know, trying to throw ASM in as much as possible. I'm going to tell you right now, it is going to be amazing when you do, because just ask Nate. He got to. Do you remember? Do you even remember that game, Nate? Were, uh, I do. You're a little remember. loopy at that point. Yeah, I was pretty loopy. I don't know how time went by so quickly. Uh, you you beat up on me real good, and then apparently, if we had rolled it out. I swung back really hard and maybe had a chance after all, but yeah, uh, ASM uh, had a, a wrecking ball of a turn. Yeah, he did. He was wonderful. And the only the last thing I want to talk about here is kind of if if you're looking at this roster, Nate, and and you win the priority role, do you pick secures every time here, or do you look at what's across the table from you before you decide that? You, I think you always look because if they have two out of the three of the same extracts or two out of the three the same secures, I, I want to pick whatever I don't have as, as much in common with. 
Yes. So like if you if you see that they're running a few D's on secures anyway, like, oh, well, let me just pick one of the extracts that I like. Yep. Uh, kind of a situation on the flip side of that. Uh, and you're kind of well equipped with it between Miles and Black Cat already. Uh, if you see something that you really don't like, so maybe Researcher is something Web Warriors really don't want to play on yes. Extract. Like, even if your opponent has, uh, oh, goodness, uh, something like, uh, what's the, the, it comes in the core set, Meteors, Deadly Meteors? The Deadly Meteors in the, the middle with the uh, energy. Yeah. yeah. Origin Box. Uh, yeah, so that that's not great, but Research Station is going to be worse. So that that's a situation where it's like, cool, I'll risk you getting secures, but I want to make sure I don't give you something like Research Station. Yeah, I think that's really fair. And and that's definitely like part of like looking at what your opponent has before you you pick your stuff. So, yeah, I like that idea too. And then the last 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 thing is talking about Team Tactics card. He said he's going to bring all webbed up and spider tracker nearly every turn, every every game. I think that's really that's a fine idea. And I you're going to be bringing Venom every game as well. So you're going to be bringing Lethal Protector. That's 3 out of your 5. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a total of 10 here and I would say you know it sounds to me like you're going to want patch up as well but trust me as I can say the web warriors have a very low health pool I've never regretted having med pack or patch up yep and then that gets into the like okay this next one card you know disarm brace mission objective advanced R&D I think it all depends on what you're going against but like if I'm going against an Asgard or if I'm going against uh, Brotherhood or anyone that has access to like easy throws, I want brace because I've definitely had that instance where it's like my dodge dice just let me down and a brace for impact is just just what I need to stay alive. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Disarm. Uh, Disarm is a card that I am a huge advocate for. Uh, I, I love it. love it to death. I will say, uh, it is a card to bring if you have priority and are, are expecting to have priority at least once or twice in the game. But if you're going up against something like uh, Black Order or Brotherhood, its value just drops significantly, unfortunately. Yep. So matchup dependent uh, there. Ma- matchup dependent. Mostly just kind of look and like if your opponent has a, quite a few high threat characters may not be worth bringing it in because they're going to be going first and you don't have a chance to play disarm before they just, well, pop off with it. <laughs> uh, so I, I would look toward brace or mission objective most of the time. Yeah, same. That's kind of where I'm at too. And the the advanced R&D, like if you're bringing Valkyrie, I think advanced R&D makes a lot of sense because she can get that power and then just push it out to everybody else. But Web Warriors already have enough trouble getting power. So with the current change to advanced R&D, I think it, kind of diminishes its role within the team overall yeah though i still love it yeah so uh but all, all these cards are, are good ones there there's not really a bad one among them sacrifice might be a little bit tough because then you're denying yourself some of the web warrior reroll shenanigans that they love so much yep but otherwise yeah no spider tracker is a card that uh, i think is highly underrated and i like it a lot just remember that it only works on move actions unfortunately mm-hmm. uh so they're they can get up close with like a place effect or an advance that's not a move action because stuff is silly but spider <laughs> tracker still really good absolutely 
I, I love Spider Tracker quite a bit. So, with that, Nate, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me over on the Gamers Guild YouTube channel. I've got. Uh, I'm actually kind of taking a break this month, so it, it's all kind of older stuff at this point. But uh, there's plenty of uh, a backlog of two years of content. So I guess you, if you're new to it and don't know what it is, you got plenty to watch anyway. Uh, battle reports, character reviews, tactic talks, uh, anything that you could think of for Marvel Crisis Protocol, it's probably in there. Absolutely. So definitely go check that out. Make sure to subscribe and turn notifications on over there because you want to know when Nate gets back at it. Man, that, that's not even something I ask people to do. Thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm doing it for you. You're welcome. So uh, also, uh, Suits, make sure to, uh, if you have the capability, to leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to this on. And I would appreciate a five-star review. And look, if nothing else, just for Nate's sweet, sweet tones with his new mic over here, that's like an extra three stars right there. Honestly. So, please help a brother out and leave us some reviews so that other people that are interested in Crisis Protocol content can find it. And also, uh, if you would be so kind as to just uh, share the show with all your friends. And uh, maybe it's not their cup of tea, but that's okay. We love everybody anyways over here. And... I want to also say to uh, check out our Facebook page. It's uh, House Party Protocol on Facebook. You can find us there. We're in the normal Facebook groups and stuff. So make sure to like and comment whenever we make a post. I love chit-chatting with everybody and talking to everybody, getting everybody's take, and, and kind of seeing what everybody thinks about uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol. And you can send us emails at housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. You can also uh, check out our Patreon. Like I said, I, I feel weird shilling this thing out like three times in the show, but... It is what it is, and, uh, you know, it's just appreciated, and I can't thank all the patrons enough for being a part of that. It, it means an immense amount to me that, it's, that it's, this is there, and I love doing this podcast, and I love talking to all of y'all, and I hope that uh, everyone has a uh, lovely week, and remember, I'm the juggernaut, bitch. I'm kidding. I can't do it. I'm I, Nate. I, <laughs> should I just end it there? Oh my goodness! You you do whatever you want. Uh, party on, Nate. Party on, Will. And power down, suits. All right, before you stop recording. Yeah. Did I catch it? You did. All right, real quick. Uh, oh man, Bill Bill is a bro. <laughs> butchering it. How do you say it? Beelzebro. Beelzebro. If you can find room, since you can, go ahead and throw core Peter Parker into your roster as well. Yes. Oh, my God. Why did we it's think not about so, this? It's not something that we didn't talk about, but because of the new rules, you can have both. So if you're going for a really control-focused roster, swapping out Venom for Peter Parker in that core and being able to have two webline pools between Gwen and Peter Parker active turn one is really good. That's all. Bye-bye.